Leads, leads, leads. What is happening? Welcome to Working Hours, an oral history podcast about a place called Leeds, a time called now, and an activity called work. Working Hours wants to record 1,000 loiners over the course of this, the most important decade in the history of the human species, and ask them about what they do all day and hear how they feel about it. My name is Simon, and this is all my fault. My mission here is to try to map out what my city, Leeds, a city that has declared a climate emergency, did during humanity's biggest emergency. On working hours, we hear how loiners have, are, and will be coping with our multiple and expanding crises during their day-to-day working hours. Can we turn things around? We'll find out. To tell this story, I need loiners. Loiners like you, dear listener. I need people in Leeds or people from Leeds to come on this podcast and just tell me what they do all day and let me record how this affects us. Thank you for listening. What did you want to be when you grew up? I believe I wanted to be many different things, but it kind of fluctuated between dancer and detective. Mm. (laughs) Very, very contrasting and nothing like what I'm doing now. (laughs) Although I can imagine an 80s TV series with like a dancer who was a detective. Yeah, I'm sure somebody would buy the rights to that. Mm. (laughs) That sounds to me like it's a very kind of 70s, 80s influenced kind of uh, career trajectory. (laughs) Probably in my head, it was more 1940s. Like I really loved Mm. noir. Um, Mm. And like, you know, probably growing up playing Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego probably influenced that quite a bit. But uh, (laughs) yeah. Always wanted to be like the top female detective. (laughs) You're listening to Series 4, Episode 12, and to my guest, Sarah Jane Young. This is another Zoom interview recorded on the 24th of March, 2023. God, March. That's so long ago now. I have so much to do and so much to catch up on. I know I'm always nagging you for guests, but you're my best bet on getting fresh loiners. If you listen to or have been on the podcast, then you can reach the workers that I can't reach with my naff, disinterested, half-assed social media strategy. I can record at any time on Mondays or weekday evenings at 7pm, so get in touch to help me fill as many recording slots as I can till the end of this year. If I can beat the number of recordings I got last year, I will be ecstatic. That's not looking too likely at the minute. Right, so I didn't want to add editorial onto the last one, as I said plenty on episode 90, and I'm still really unsure about adding any commentary at all to these, but I kind of feel like there should be something. I know I'm repeating myself, but that's work, right? Get up and do the same thing over and over again. I'm not going to go off too much, I just wanted to give some info nuggets regarding my last few months, so working 50 hour plus weeks, don't recommend that. It'll put you in hospital, it did me. And I did a little bit of possibly saving someone's life, but mostly it was not having enough time or energy to work on working hours episodes, and then not putting anything out for ages, thus killing so much of the growth that I had started to slowly build up. Still, I managed to sneak in a few recordings during that time too, because I am strong like bull. I am also tired like parent or old man. Sarah Jane Young was always driven to a career in the arts. 
She went from working in a record store to a record company and then becoming self-employed, producing art shows, managing bands and artists and touring cabaret shows. It was an industry where she worked 24-7 and as much as she loved it, thrived at it, it was also burning her out. Sarah Jane felt like something was missing. Fast forward to now and Sarah Jane is running Sage Studio. Sarah Jane has an Ayurveda diploma with distinction from the Academy of Health and Fitness. She is a level 5 qualified Ayurvedic yoga massage therapist including pregnancy massage. Sarah Jane has been practicing Vedic meditation daily since 2012 and she is currently completing a Chopra Foundation qualification to teach meditation. Sarah Jane's mantra is to help others and be kind. Through AYM, she will help you feel clarity, rested and relaxed. You can find Sarah Jane and Sage Studios by going to sagestudiouk.business.site or instagram.com forward slash sageayurvedic. Right, let's do this episode 92 of Working Hours with Sarah Jane Young. So what is it that you are doing now then? So I'm a massage therapist um, and I to clarify that I'm an Ayurvedic yoga massage therapist, which is, it's a bit of a niche, but it um, incorporates uh, an Ayurvedic lifestyle, which I lead um, into the massage and yoga stretches into the massage. Um, so use all of those little techniques to combine and balance and heal the body as much as I can. Mm-hmm. So tell us more about the Avedic lifestyle then. What's, how, how did you find that and, and what does it mean? Yeah, what, it's, a, a whole, it's a very in-depth, um, we could spend hours and hours talking about it, <laughs> but it breaks down to Aya and Veda, and those two words mean life science or science of life, mm-hmm. and um, thousands and thousands of years old. Um, uh, it was an Indian... Um, science or knowledge of life of of how to lead it and how to have a balanced body so it might incorporate like what you eat how you sleep um, what exercise is better for your body Um, it tells you a lot about your body type your personality Mm -hmm. and uh, there's little routines or rituals that we can incorporate into our daily life to enhance it more like um before bed like a a a self-massage on your feet Mm -hmm. uh, head self-massage on your head uh, bringing oil into the scalp so it nourishes the skin lets your hair grow better Um, scraping the tongue I think some people have heard of there's a lot of bacteria it kind of falls in the evening, like while we're asleep. And so starting the day fresh and, and getting rid of that. Um, uh, I think a lot of people do like oil pulling, which is like a teaspoon of oil in the mouth and swishing it between your teeth. It's an amazing cleanser. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and yes, yeah, so there's, there's different things. It's all encompassing. It's such a rich information structure mm-hmm. um so yes again we could talk hours but that, that's just a little a mini mini sample of um an ayurvedic lifestyle and 
I was drawn to that because um, I was in a very highly stressful entertainment industry and um, I knew it wasn't sustainable for very much longer and I was going through a tough time personally and I reached out to a friend of mine who was a meditation teacher mm-hmm. and she teaches Vedic meditation. Um, so I've been meditating for over 10 years now and um, it changed my life very, very quickly. And I think if you talk to most meditators, um, they will they will say a very similar thing. There was more joy. Um, I had more energy, and um, I kind of think it reveals your life purpose as well. So, not instantly, but definitely mm-hmm. eventually. And so, when I decided I wanted a more holistic lifestyle, mm-hmm. um, I well, it was presented. It fell in my lap. Um, I wanted to do massage. And I heard that there was such a thing as Ayurvedic yoga massage. And so Mm. here we are. (laughs) So it was a kind of combination of, oh, this is an interest I'm pursuing. I want to do some massage as well. And now I can marry the two. Marry the two, definitely. Mm. Um, And it, it just kind of kept flowing. Like I was like, well, I'm already doing these little rituals that I didn't really understand was part of the Ayurveda mm-hmm. um, and then I was meditating and then I learned Ayurvedic yoga massage and then I did an Ayurveda diploma and um, last year I started training with Deepak Chopra so I'm um, this year going to um, be qualified for a meditation teacher so mm-hmm. yeah it's just kind of like life coming together and all of those beautiful things that you enjoy that is part of my everyday life I can kind of balance and encompass it together and mm. and that's quite cool mm. so what were you doing entertainment industry wise were you film tv yeah. music uh a bit of everything worked for an entertainment company well I'll go back a little bit further I was in a record store um mm. as a young young teenager and from there I went into a record company Um, And then I started managing bands, um, Mm. producing shows and kind of then uh, discovered cabaret and which kind of involves, um, well, lots of lots of different um, performing arts. And so I was producing those shows and yeah, there was there was lots of joy there, but it was 24 seven. Everybody wanted everything yesterday. You know, there would always be like some drama that you had to solve very last minute. Mm. It it was just constant. Um, and again, like I I still I still kind of keep my fingers in those pies a little bit, but mm. um, it got too much. But yeah, I went from producing shows to producing art shows um, and representing lots of different artists from filmmakers. Um, mm to visual artists, to performing artists, to musicians, to photographers. So, yeah, sort of a, a bit of everything. But um, the passion is still there and I still want to help creative people, but I think mm. that I've come from that in a holistic way and now I I help them by 
interjecting some holistic lifestyle into their creative mm. world or healing them, <laughs> giving mm. them some, some nurturing and, and massage to heal the body um, mm. if they're struggling themselves. So you kind of come from, you know, supporting them financially and business-wise to supporting them spiritually and emotionally. That's <laughs> Simon, well said. Like, without even realising, yes, I knew that that was my path. Mm. Um, and, and, yeah, still helping, but in a different way. Mm. So, so setting up for yourself, I mean, I, I'm guessing this won't have been the first business that you set up, but take us through that journey a little bit. Like, was it quite easy to set up? Were you fine with all of the, you know, all the paperwork and so on and what needed to be done? And it was just a matter of finding clients. Did you already have clients? How did it go? Yeah, I, I mean, I think taking that leap from working a nine to five job or a career based job with, even if you're freelancing or with a corporate company, is is very scary and I mean I was in my 20s when I first did it yeah it, it was it was not having that security of not like what am I going to do to pay the rent if I don't have that weekly um, wage and and I was living in Sydney at the time and I mean it, it was an expensive city to live in mm. and, and worrying like can I really do this and mm. I, I continued to work part-time jobs um, and started uh, producing shows and performing myself. And so I had like little bits of money coming in from all different places. And so at that point I was like, well, it's kind of safe because I can kind of do it and if it doesn't mm. work, I go back. Once I, once I became self-employed, that was it. It was just like, you stop worrying about the money and uh, allowing the universe to just provide. Mm. And I think if you concentrate on being that creative or the creator, you don't have to be an artist to mm. be a creator. Your business is a creation. Mm. And, um, yeah, when it when it's you, all of it is you. Mm. So you learn how to become the the accountant, the mm. advertiser, the marketer, um, the promoter, the creator. Um, and I think that kind of came naturally to me because of my background in doing all of these kind of. Mm. So that definitely helped. And, um, you know, I still to this day try and show others how to do that either free or cheaply and with very, very small amounts of time so they can focus on, on their business and what they do as a creator. Uh, but, yeah, again, yeah, very scary. And, you know, some weeks you're drinking champagne and other weeks you're eating toast. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that there's some kind of fun in that. When you, when you kind of embrace that, you're like, you know what, this is going to be okay. Yeah, some, some months might be a struggle, but then some months are going to be amazing. Mm. and. Yeah, I, I do think that that was more based in the entertainment and arts industry of like, woo, big mm. roller coaster. Mm. Uh, now for me now, I I don't know whether it's because I've had almost twenty years being self employed experience, but you know I'm not I'm not going to lie. Like starting a holistic business 
was out of my comfort zone and mm. still I of course I've started businesses before being self-employed but it was completely different for me mm. and there was that oh my gosh is this gonna work but it very much is less of a roller coaster in the holistic industry I for me anyway that's my experience so mm. um you know some some weeks I might only have five clients but some weeks I'll have 20 and um but I don't notice that massive big roller coaster um mm. anymore um but if anybody was thinking of becoming self-employed I would always say yes go for it mm. but Are just you- find vibe, find your support <laughs> you might be self-employed but nobody can do absolutely everything by themselves mm-hmm. mm. yeah I mean, even though it sounds like you were really busy in the kind of entertainment world, but I would imagine there were periods of time, you know, waiting for money to come in and so on, where you're kind of, you've got to learn to budget. And chasing. I think when when you're self-employed, chasing invoices becomes a lot harder or people don't value you as much as if you had a, a company name on an mm. invoice. Oh, they can wait. They yeah. can wait. And though... No, they can't wait. They can't afford their groceries because you're not paying that invoice. Uh, So, yes, it was definitely a struggle. And um, if I was to help somebody else with their finances, I'm really good at that. But my own, terrible, um, is definitely where I have, I have never, ever in the 20 whatever years, I've never focused on finances. I'm really bad at it or my personal. I'm good at saving when I want to, but yeah, yeah, I just, I never liked spending the time on like, oh, I need to budget. Oh, I need to work out what's in this account and like, you know, do my tax Mm. at the end of the week. So I know that I'm going to be up to date and I don't have to spend a whole week, you know, writing out the so yeah, it's it's never been my forte. And um, it really is only recently that I reminded myself that yes, I'm I'm self-employed. I'm really good at what I do, um, and you know I can do I can do the marketing. I'm good at the advertising. I'm good at the promotion. I'm good at actually, you know, setting up the actual mm. business. But I um, I looked for a business financial mentor, and um, that definitely changed my life. Um, I use use a leads based um, uh, self employed woman, mm-hmm. and um, Agni uh, move forward with Agni. She is incredible, and I thought I knew everything, but the way that she has taught me to budget into spreadsheets and little tricks, I'm just like mind blown. <laughs> it's just made my life so much easier. So again, like I think that you do. You know, even if you are working in a company, like finding mentors or finding the um, the financial advisor or or business mentorship, um, mm. I think it it does really change your life having that support. Because mm. mm. I, I think one of the hardest things as well is, it, I mean, there's so many benefits to doing things on your own, but the downside is you're on your own. You know, yeah. you haven't got someone to talk to about the stresses or, you know, to worry or to bounce ideas off or someone to say, like, I'll take care of that. You get on with this. You know, like, it's just, oh, God, I'll put that off for later or I'll do this now or I really need to do this, but I don't want to. I, 
So do you think it's that kind of thing that that's what the mentor brings? Absolutely. Like no matter what the mentor's skills are, like you bouncing things off them, you discover your own focus or like, oh, I didn't think of that. Like maybe I should look at this path or maybe I should shift my focus onto that or, you know, their help might help free up your time to focus more on whatever it is that is is not getting that attention within your business mm. um, and 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 Agni has definitely provided that and even just peace of mind like you know I for my first my first self-assessment um and and this was you know just coming out of COVID I, I was I was freaking out a little bit I was mm. like I really like you know Agni, I followed, I followed your instructions. I've got my, all my streamlined spreadsheets and, um, you know, it's all, it's all working for me, but I actually really don't know what to do with that information and that information. And, and um, having that guide, guidance from her, it was just like, oh, like I can sleep at night, not stressing that I'm not going to get this done in the time 31st of January. So yeah, I yeah strongly think that any type of mentorship or or um or advisor can sway you in the right direction mm. or for, and for you to focus on something else mm. 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 yeah I, I mean there's so many good sides to it and there's it it's kind of like you were saying with supporting other people as well and being able to sort of you know it's so much easier to kind of diagnose for someone else and kind of you know focus here do that ignore that do this one now but when you do it for yourself you bring yourself and all your nonsense and like you know you can't be that objective you need someone else to look at it and go what are you talking about do that yeah and I if you look at the entrepreneurs or the higher achievers they don't keep secrets. They don't kind of do everything themselves. They always have a team mm. and they always talk about their ideas because then their ideas actually come to life. Mm. And I think that we're conditioned from a young age to like, well, don't, don't share your business ideas mm. because some people steal that and, um, or don't, don't let those people see what you do behind like the scenes mm. because they'll they'll take it and use it so what if they take it and use it if if they're going to do it then good on them and I I think that like if you do what you do well you've got nothing to fear from other people other Mm -hmm. than like not having that support and and blossoming into what your your potential is and I, Mm -hmm. I strongly believe in any industry we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to somebody else or to another company it always just should be like, I just need to be better than my yesterday self. Mm. Um, or I I just need to compare me to me um, mm. so I can grow. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Like, how did I do that last job? How am I going to do on this job? Is this giving me new things? Am I learning new things? Am I just repeating things? All of those kind of things, which you ask yourself anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um but I do think that if you have support around you, um, you're able to hear the answers better or, mm. or they can um, 
help you with those answers as well. So, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we'll go into some of the questions. So we mentioned COVID, it's my normal go to to start these off. So just to think back through the lockdown and kind of look at look at your workload, especially sort of going in. Was it, was it just cancel everybody or was it just ringing everybody and offering support and you were super busy? And what are the things that change kind of long term from COVID coming out? Mine was a very interesting experience. I was I was self-employed um, and I was still working in the arts and the entertainment industry and freelancing for a few companies in London. Um, I lost everything. Like mm. I have any income at all couldn't get furloughed because obviously self-employed um I spent a lot of time reading and learning and um, I hate that the word retrain because I think that it was just like pushed on to like any any kind of self-employed or especially any artist in the early days of COVID well you have to retrain you have to you have to start to do something that's that's necessary or um can't remember what the terminology they used like a real job mm, <laughs> and it's like well you know being an artist is a real job but um yeah so I decided to do a lot of self-discovery in in the early days and and I I kind of looked at the future for myself going well what if the entertainment industry never returns to what it was before, which, you know, I think that things evolve and I'm going to say I know a lot of people struggled in COVID and I definitely struggled financially, but it was a massive big favour for me because it definitely made me, like, relook, and that is when I was like, actually, I want to take a holistic path now. I, I need be doing something else and this is the sign that I this is the sign I've been waiting for so I I did all of the theory um for my qualifications during lockdown mm. and then when we came out of lockdown I I started physical courses and um so I did a, a lot of learning and uh, a lot of research on where I wanted to be and what I wanted to be offering once we were back out into the real world mm. and I that COVID showed a lot of people that mental health and well-being is like such a priority mm. that we all put on the back burner for so long mm. and I think that that is a really massive positive thing that came out of COVID um, which I see in clients now they you know it might be in corporate jobs but they have definitely like brought that out of COVID of like yes it's important for me to look after my body it's important for me to look out after my mental health uh I was mid-COVID um working remotely on a show or actually very early COVID I should say working on producing a show in Australia at some fringe festivals and during those productions I can smile about it now but it, it was quite traumatic I got bullied online and my show was overthrown or taken over by um, uh, a handful of people and so I went through very very long months of of um, depression and mm -hmm. feeling attacked when all I wanted to do was 
give to the world joy in a show. Mm. And um, so I think that COVID and being bullied online um, was a massive big catalyst for me to shift. Yeah, coming out of COVID, um, I kind of thrived um, in, in the fact that, yes, it was scary to take on a brand new business coming out of COVID, mm. but I was offering something that I think people really needed um, touch, which is such a, an, like an amazing healer in itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like um, taking away that stress, fixing those, like, you know, everybody at home working at a desk, like, mm-hmm. and not their bedrooms. So it was like, you know, not having um, the movement or the social interaction of, of an office. So, yeah, some really, really stiff necks, really stiff shoulders. <laughs> I mean, did it give you, give you time to think, do you think? Like, was that was that the kind of space that opened up that was kind of needed for you all? Yeah, very much so. Um, I had to let go and release to the, the knowledge that, okay, there is no money coming in. What can, what kind of lifestyle can I lead with absolutely no income? Mm. And I did. I spent a lot of time in the garden. I grew mm. some vegetables, mm-hmm. fruit. This is, this is one of my uh, lockdown. It hasn't fruited, but it's an, an avocado that I grew. Oh, nice. in. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I spent a lot of time learning online. Any free course that was on offer, I did it. Um, a lot of time reading, a lot of time in the garden mm. and a lot of time walking. So, yeah, a lot of self-reflection. Um, so, yes, it, it, it was a massive gift. I mean, it didn't seem like it at the time, mm. <laughs> again, because, we, you know, it's it's modern life. We all worry how, how can we afford food? How can we afford a roof over our heads? Mm. But yeah, it's a big lesson to like learn how to like, well, there's nothing I can do about it. So what can I do? Mm. And again, I think support, you know, it's really important in business mm. and in your life. But I think it kind of, I mean, it might not be for every street, but you you found support in that time when you were mm. in that situation, like, um, my street were very amazing. We had a WhatsApp group, um, you know, that one that one kind of person that was like, right, I'm going to be the shopper today. Mm. Um, if anyone need anything and they would drop it at the front door. I have a, a bit of a communal garden and so we would be handing jugs, jugs of cocktails over the fence to each other. Um, and the people that care about you, will always be there it's like okay like you know financially do you need some support like Mm. so you know yeah if you if you embrace that support it will be there um Mm. and I think that in work and personal life I think that's really important to to surround yourself with that Mm. Mm. and it's good to be kind of reduced down to that kind of essential or bare minimum in in a way that it's like Oh yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing that exists that's here. Yeah, I must remember that. That's important. <laughs> yeah, if we can survive that. Yeah. And and especially like as you said, like learning what what is important to your life. Okay, food, mm. like, you know, a bed, um 
sunshine. Good and we pair had of a- shoes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so all, all of those essentials and, and love and support. Um, mm. Yeah, and, you know, the amount of times where you're like, oh, God, I've got nothing to do today, but then finding, like, absolute joy in, like, you know, having a Zoom chat with your friends, like, mm. over over a virtual dinner. Uh, like, you know, <laughs> you know, how many people are still doing that now but mm. have fondness of, like, what they were able to do or, or what they deemed as, like, yeah, that was really important. Mm. Mm. yeah it does seem to it seems like the pendulum's kind of swung back now from you know the second that we were outside everyone was like what covid what lockdown ah and now now everyone's going oh it's horrible out here wasn't lockdown great (laughs) so true so i mean i would hate for it to happen again but there's Mm. that small part of me it's like yeah, I would totally happily spend my week in the garden reading and hanging out with my cat and mm, yeah. No. So more and more of us have to do social media for our work. For you, I, I mean, I assume you have to create content, put it out there. How much time do you spend on that? And do you see a good return on investment from it? Or is it more just one of those, I should do this kind of thing? No, definitely. I, I'm torn because holistic brain is just like oh definitely social media is bad just don't but you know I think that it should be embraced and you should look at it as like don't don't be a scroller don't spend your energy looking at what other people are doing Mm. but use it as an essential tool of I mean you know Decades ago, everybody was listed in the yellow pages or white pages or, or whatever. I don't know what it was here. <laughs> yellow pages. Uh, so, you know, um, it's exactly the same, but just a different platform. So I, I actually love social media, but I don't look at what anyone else is mm. doing, really, unless it's like people or companies that I'm supporting mm. and like, you know, I like them, their their positive, lovely message and, like, I will then share it on, on to others. But um, uh, my bullying online was Facebook. So, and I, I recently had my Facebook hacked. So Facebook isn't an option for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, my business is definitely based off word of mouth, uh, Google business page, which mm-hmm. I have no idea why everyone doesn't have a Google business page. It's free. Mm. It's quick. You set it up. There's your website. You don't yeah. have to pay anything. I've and talked I, to other people, well, not on the podcast, but other people who said, I don't bother with any social media. Just it's all on Google My Business. All my clients come through there. Yeah. So most of my new leads would be Google business, word of mouth and Instagram. Mm. Um, and I don't think I could survive with without the the two social medias like Mm. word of mouth is great but um those word of mouth still need to share a link or Mm. to have that visual of like what that person is going to expect so um and I do think that social media allows us to if if we acknowledge this um especially it people love to feel like it's a personal 
like they're, they're seeing the person person's personality mm. so instead of saying hey I'm a house painter um this is my price um this is my work they they want to get to know you they want to like connect and like even if they just see your face or hear your voice mm. or you know you inject some sort of um personality or quirk that you have people love that and connect to that and that um people want to book that they don't want to book a house painter they want to book Alan the fabulous you know um so I think that um social media definitely allows us to show who we are and like what you're getting not the the actual service mm-hmm. because I know that you know, there is a plethora of massage therapists in Leeds, but I'm, I know I'm busy because I, I offer my personality, but it's, it's my space and um, they can visually see that on Instagram and Google. Uh, It's, you know, I, it's a very green space. It's very calming. It's like lit lovely. Um, There's loads of plants and, there's music and mm. and I think you know for people to know that they're they're, they're buying the package not the the physical oh, I'm just going to book a massage that's mm. you know mm. it's not just massage so I think that social media is essential for you to portray um everything about you and what you do and what you offer mm. So has I, I'm going to totally simplify this now because I, I'm getting bored of talking about Brexit. I'm going to keep doing it, but because all the answers are pretty much the same. We're like, is it no difference or it's made everything worse? So has Brexit changed your business at all? So if I was still doing what I was doing before, then mm. absolutely, because I did maybe six trips to Europe to work. Um and yeah it would have massively affected um shows and performance and getting visas and getting paid less Mm. and um all of that but um I haven't yet worked in Europe um so I'm not sure how that's going to affect but obviously currently hasn't hasn't affected um me at all really I mean yes prices have gone up for for massage oil or um Mm. all the products that I use but um I mean things change you just have to like go with the flow and And, adapt and you can't blame it all on Brexit either because we had the COVID so people are kind of mm. and you know there's there's going to be something else and then you're going to have to adapt to that so yeah I just um I mean you know it's it's upsetting. I would, I prefer to be still connected with Europe, but um, yeah, as a whole, you just have to to move on and mm. do what you do. Climate change, obviously, I would imagine that's on your radar, um, you know, uh, so can you do anything in your work or are you already in your work doing something to help with yeah change adaptation mitigation all that kind of stuff yeah I think it's um it's it's on my mind uh daily (laughs) um 
I think it's the only thing that gets me upset and angry, to be honest. Um, I um, recently had someone stay with me who um, worked in sustainability but was the, the least sustainable person I've ever met. And, um, yeah, I think, I think I personally get frustrated. So I, I, I do, I think... My motto is, like, if everybody did a little bit, the world would be a massively better place mm. for it instead of, like, very few people doing everything perfectly. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think that if if I can do whatever I can, like, you know, I definitely have loads of plants in my house and plant wherever I can. <laughs> um, you know, I think recycling is, is amazing, mm. but... Um, you know, the percentage that recyclables get recycled, um, it, it's better to try not to actually use um, anything that's, um, and, and I, I don't think off the top of my head, like I don't think without being aware that I buy anything that's one use, um, you know, I, I use glass containers where I can. Um, I do lots of festivals for massage. So I always have my um, reusable coffee, um, my water and um, and biodegradable um, massage bedding. So, yeah, absolutely. It's and and I'm very grateful that every festival I've ever worked at uh, has a massive structure in place to make sure that it is sustainable as much as possible. So we are combating climate change as, as much as we can mm. with festival work. And I think that that is massively important. But I still, it amazes me going into a takeaway. And sometimes I do try and remember my, like, containers to take into a takeaway to get my food. Mm. Um, and I think that um, COVID stopped a lot of people being able to use your own, like, bring containers or bring mm. your coffee, um, cups. Um, but, yeah, it still amazes me that there's takeaways in Leeds that still use styrofoam mm. for packaging. It's like, how, how is this allowed? And, um, yeah, if, if anyone can refuse that and just, you know, get them to put it in um, paper or, or, or take your own container. Mm. It's, like, such an easy thing to do. Mm. Um, yeah, but, yeah, just constantly, like, being aware of the situation, talking about it, I think is massively important. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And just doing what you can, like using less water, you know, making sure that you start a compost um, um, and, you know, get on board. Like if your street doesn't have a WhatsApp, like, group like I do, then start one and, you know, find out if somebody's got a compost bin in their garden, could you put your um, food waste in, in there? Or, like, you know, what can you do? Like, you know, join Olio, give some stuff away for free, um, make sure you're not just throwing everything into the bin um, or taking stuff to the tip. There is so many little things that we can do to make a massive big change. Is there anything that's like, well, we've got to burn coal because that's how you make steel about your business? Is that, you know, is there's things that have to happen and it's like, mm, it's not great. Yeah. Um, so I use 100% organic oil. 
and the organic oil isn't available at well a particular massage oil that I use isn't available at my local refill station so unfortunately I have to get it and it comes in plastic Mm. and it annoys me that I can't use that to get refilled but I do um, buy like the five litre thing Mm. so I'm obviously buying less plastic Mm. and and working out a way for me to reuse that empty five liter Mm. um and thankfully like you know when I I just started out I'm like what do I do with the Mm. the leftover oil because it's just like oh but now I don't have any waste in the oil at all and um it's it's amazing for the skin it is absorbed so yeah that's that's another positive consumables i'm just trying to think of anything else um i mean it's a low impact kind of industry anyway i mean and it's therapeutic it's locally based because you have to be there in person it's not like you can do a virtual massage well maybe one day ai (laughs) we'll we'll discover something (laughs) (laughs) well maybe like an amsr uh, uh, asmr is that the right way around Yeah. yeah so if you could change any three things about your job considering that you have changed everything about your work recently (laughs) um if you could change any three things about your job you can be fantastic you can be pragmatic or you can say everything's perfect anywhere in between on the scale uh what would you change uh what I'm trying to implement is I mean it's it's quite a physically and emotionally draining job and I am very grateful that I'm able to offer that but doing the meditation teaching will balance the physical and being able to sit there and not use my hands as much um, during my working week. Um, I'm very much looking forward to that as well. If, if um, I mean, I believe that the world is full of endless possibilities and nothing is impossible, but um, realistically, if I could if I could treat and heal and um, be an influence in more people's lives, then that would be amazing. <laughs> but not sure I can change that. And he- heating, heating would be a massive, if I could change the heating situation because you really do have to be, I mean, we've all had a massage where it's not very warm room and you're like, you stiffen up because you're not comfortable or you're not warm. So yeah, my room is very warm. It's like doing hot yoga for me while I'm massaging. But yeah, it it softens and relaxes the muscles instantly if you are warm and comfortable. But yeah, my heating bill is <laughs> huge. What about? So yeah, if I could, definitely I would. What about on hot days? How was it for the hot day? Did you just not work or were you kind of like, this is perfect actually and we just need to cool it a bit or? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I've ever like maybe had a window slightly open on a mm. hot day, but um, the electric blanket is still on. And and then the third one, which I'm trying to implement now is is having that a physical work balance with the meditation teaching so I can kind of for me just balance out the physical um work with the hands Mm. let's come back to that um 
let's do the UBI and then we'll kind of come back to, I want to kind of talk to you about work-life balance and kind of finding what is right and how much is right. Um, But yeah, so on the UBI front, if there was a universal basic income, um, everyone gets an amount of money, hopefully enough to live. Uh, How would that change things for you? Would you still do what you're doing now? Would you do something else? Would you do more or less of it? Like, how would it change things? Yeah, absolutely. I would definitely be on the same path, potentially maybe find somehow where I could volunteer more or, or you know, if if we're all being paid no matter what we do, then yes. I mean, ideally, I would love to offer free massage to every single person uh, in Leeds. Um, um, I think that that would, that would be amazing. Uh, yeah, I think I think that ideal scenario of of building more of a community feel might actually like work in that scenario of um, you know we we aren't trying to be richer than the next person and we can all work together and do what we all love. Um, then kind of a bit of a utopia isn't it well I mean there'd be natural differentiation some people would for you know various motivation reasons whether it's just because they can or because they have to um because you have you have you know we're often thinking of work in this kind of abstract hermetically sealed way like it's this thing that exists outside of it and you just go and you do this thing um, and that it, you know, it's kind of imagined at a constant rate because if you're looking at the spreadsheets and stuff, it's kind of like how many hours and, but like we've said, you know, it's all ebbs and flows. We, we're not machines. We can't output at a constant rate. Mm-hmm. We, mm-hmm. we we go, we'll go hard and then we'll like drop down and then we'll like scale back up again and then it'll fade down again. It's um, balance that out because when they've had enough, we get sick. Mm. And it's like forced kind of like, you need to stop. You need to pause. You need to do nothing. Mm. So yeah, I agree. It's exactly the same. And when you've got plenty to do, other people will get sick and you'll have to go and care for them or you'll have to go and support them. Or yes. in or do. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's have a little bit of a, I, I've done most of my questions there. Like we can cover anything else if you want to kind of go back to anything that we've missed. But yeah, what do you think is, what's the perfect amount of work for you do you think and and I want to kind of open up this start opening up this discussion about work and leisure because for a long time like to me they feel like categories like left and right that have just completely disintegrated yeah they don't they're not really there anymore and I think that we need to because that distinction between work and leisure for me very much comes out the union movement and that sort of eight hours work eight hours leisure eight hours sleep yeah and I think in that world like there is a total blurring between work and leisure now because a lot of a lot of leisure's work isn't it it's like you know the 50 movies you've got to watch the 50 albums you've got to listen to the 50 plays all of that kind of stuff yeah no it was it it just reminded me of something as well um yeah I'm I'm, look I'm I'm great at giving advice on like work-life balance um but (laughs) it's been self-employed it's been drilled into me for so many years that you are on 24 7 so if you've got your own business 
you're answering an email at 10 p.m. at night. You're like up at 7 a.m. to do that business meeting on the other side of the world. Um, yeah, and I'm, yeah, very good at telling people it's not what you should do. <laughs> like, yeah. It's really important for us to really focus on like, you know, we're all going to die. What do we want to look back and go, oh, yeah, I did 48 hours of work this week. No, like what do we want to do? Like what, whatever that brings you joy and health is like the utmost appointment um, importance. Um, yes, of course, we need to make money to like pay for the essentials, but working out a way that you can do that so you are definitely working the least you possibly can to be able to enjoy the life you don't have to work the first 50 years of your life to to then be comfortable to then go travel to then enjoy life to then get an allotment like do it now like do it now and enjoy it you know whatever is in your bank is not the most important thing um you know I do think that having moments with people that we love or even if that's yourself like just having adventures experiences and and creating things and yes I believe as you said Simon that sometimes what gives you joy and leisure can sometimes be work and vice versa and I think that that's completely like you know I don't most days I don't see what I do as work. Like I get joy out of making people feel better or feel calmer or or able to walk down the stairs with ease. Like so again, you you've just got to work out what's right for you. Um you know and and yes, yeah, some weeks I might work a little bit too much, but then other weeks my body's like, actually, come on, come and put those boundaries in again and go, mm. oh, I'm gonna take three or four days off this week because mm. my body and my soul need that rest. I'm tired, I'm lacking the energy. What can I do to um to you know have that relaxation or that um you know, take myself out for dinner or um, go for a walk. And and what you said reminded me of um, I was just trying to just looking it up to see who who created this general rule. It was a neuroscientist or a psychiatrist that um, came up with the 25-3 rule. I think I discovered this mid-lockdown and it massively impacted me on on the research that's been done behind it and the idea is that you every day you spend 20 minutes outside whether that is walking around the block or going to your local park or or driving somewhere to spend that 20 minutes outside in your favorite space Mm. Um, and then five hours each month um, spend in nature so go to a forest or a national park or a lake and sit down and you know read or I mean you don't have to be exercising but just be in nature for five five hours once yeah, a month. Be in the real world. Yeah <laughs> and it's like um, it's the vitamin D it's the fresh mm. air and then the last one is three days try and go off grid per year so three mm. days camping 
leave your phone, leave your laptop, mm. uh, don't take it. Mm. Um, or, you know, I guess if you if you cannot fathom that amount of time away, like make sure you you have no internet and maybe watch a movie in those mm. three days on your on your computer. But um, absolutely no scrolling, no texting. Mm. Um, no, well, if you can, no screen time for three days and, um, you know, again, even if you can't manage that, if you if you can't camp, you don't like camping, then, you know, book a hotel but just don't look at a screen, don't use technology for three days mm. um, or, or stay at home if you can't even afford that. But unplug everything and you know and and still stick to that 20 minutes a day or or five hours a day in in nature in that mm. three days but yeah the 25 three rule yeah I love it yeah three days off grid is is like I mean it just it makes me smile like just thinking about it like you know I I love just turning everything off and 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 I love camping so um yeah just yeah embrace it everybody <laughs> three day and I, I think you know it's that it's that you know the argument before COVID was well you can't work from home because this can't happen and you know you definitely need to be in an office and so I like, guess what we don't need to be in an office it does work um to then going do you know what three days with no like screens, no technology, even no electricity, it wouldn't, it wouldn't kill us. We'll survive. So I'm going to pass it over to you. If there's anything that we haven't talked about or anything that we, that you want to come back to, to kind of discuss. Uh, so happy to. Um, I think um, just a, a fond little um, memory of, um, I recently went to a retreat with Deepak Chopra um, and uh, a friend of mine who I met on this retreat said to me, she's like, do you know what? I don't think Deepak Chopra is passing his knowledge on to anyone. I, I just, you know, there's no evidence that, you know, he's getting older, but, like, there's no one in place that's going to take over the Deepak Chopra Foundation. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then on stage, like, moments after, he said something about, like, you know, again, he, you know, technology is, is not great, but we need to embrace and work out how we can use it to our advantage and create better things um, uh, or, or heal people or, or, like, you know, save the planet. And, and so how do we use that to do good? And um, and then he smiles and he said, "Oh, there'll there'll be a little AI Deepak teaching, you know, in the future." And it's like that. There you go. He's not passing on because he's going to still exist <laughs> in the meta. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. If you yeah. write enough stuff now, then yeah. I mean, he has got ninety books, so <laughs> he's done. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Just write things, kids. Write things on the internet and influence the future forever. Do you think you would have got there or got here, got to where you are now, without that kind of crisis that that mm. intervention kind of was necessary for the change to happen? Because you said you were kind of thinking about it before. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna say yes because without the online bullying, without COVID, some other thing would have happened. 
I do have faith that like, you know, the intention was there even if I wasn't aware of it. So somehow the universe would have put this block or would have put this um, trauma in my way to teach me, wait a second, like you might enjoy what you're doing, but you've missed the signs that you've you've had a few like, uh, you know, Ill, like major illnesses or like, you know, you're at breaking point. We've, we've shown you these signs to say mm-hmm. maybe this isn't the right path. So I think something else would have come along. Mm-hmm. It might have taken me a lot longer to get to where I am. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I do think that, you know, people stuck in an office with a job they hate, um, they're, they're also getting those signs that um, it's not the right thing, um, but they're just not not ready to listen mm. to, um, you know, uh, oh, I've got flu for the sixth time this year and I hate my job. And, um, um, yeah, I think that those, those are little things of like, well, you know, we're showing you that, like, here's, here's the opportunity to, like, mm. What, again, what do you want to do? Um, but, yeah, we, we only get to that point when it's meant to be or when we are ready to be open and ready to listen to, um, to, to that. Yeah, yeah, I think it, ready to be listened, I think, is key because, I, you know, I know a lot of people who stayed in sectors or roles way longer than they should have. Yeah. And, like you know I've walked out of so many jobs like literally um and because I started working in the 90s I was always like well there's always jobs yeah yeah Yeah. Um, I've been like um early 20s going well I'm not worried about getting a job because there was something something will just and same with houses like oh why would you worry about like where you're gonna rent like something will just pop up (laughs) So thinking of, you know, these two careers, mm. who owns your work? And mm. do, you, do you own your work? Um, I've, co- I've contemplated this quite a lot. So when, um, and, and recently, because an interesting thing happened recently as well. So when I was performing and producing shows, um, intellectual property, um, I mean, it's it's a very tricky law to get your head around and I still don't fully understand it, but um, it would frustrate me a, a lot as well. Like it was, it was my ego of like, you know, no, this is, this belongs to me. This is mine. This is my intellectual property. Like how can someone... Uh, use what I do Um, so there was uh, there was a couple of situations so one that would happen frequently is a photographer would come and take a photo of me or or my show and would use that in the news national newspaper um, and we wouldn't get a credit or they would use it to advertise something else and it's just like how well how can they do that because that is my image yeah Um, but it's they very, own the copyright of the photo. Yeah. They're the photographer. They're the artist. It is their copyright. Mm. It's got nothing to do with me. But there is. But there you is, should have a. He should have give. 
made you sign a release form to clear your rights yeah so there is like that loophole of like yes it's my image so I have some claim on that but um you know if it if it's in a public place or a venue where it says you know if in here you you um give up rights to your image or or, or, yeah. or um, you're a free so, marketing prop <laughs> yeah yeah it is it is a tricky one because um uh i've had companies and individuals take advantage and make money out of my image mm. and um it's it's frustrating especially like i I wanted to control the situation for so long with video. Like I really was anti, like photos, I kind of were like, I got used to of like, I was, you know, it's a photo. Um, But having my work on video um, enabled other people to copy that work. Mm. And yet intellectual property bothered me in that sense because um, I had no control over video, therefore somebody else could go and do that, like mm. the same act or, the, you know, produce the same show. Mm. And um, it took me a long time to learn to let go of that. And, again, come back to the, well, let them go and copy because it's not their work. and. Um, you know, the only person, again, you should be comparing, you're going to do it better than they are always. Um, so, you know, let them, let them at it. Like, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, if, if they do well, their success might be short lived because it's, it's an action or a reaction to like a stolen property. So, you know, it's going to come back on them. Mm that it's, you know, down the line someone else will do the same thing to them or, Mm. like, stop worrying about, like, what is out of your control. Like, create, give, do what you are meant to do. Don't worry about anything else, you know. Um, Just try and be your better self. And so, yeah, in the arts um, industry, you can take it personally because that is like basically like painting a picture that's taken you a year to create and someone else just printing it on Redbubble and selling it Mm. on a T-shirt and making money out of it. You're like, no, how is this possible? But in the end, just let it go or see them. (laughs) Yeah, and also someone's always making money off you, you know? yeah and ideally you're making money off other people <laughs> the concept of Ayurveda it's not mine I yeah. don't know it. Mm. Uh, you know I learned um, the technique of um, a teacher in Leeds and she learned it off a teacher who had originated from Impune in India mm. I have no rights to that and I guarantee I don't do it exactly how that teacher in India, Mm. like I've made it my own to some extent. Mm. And um, so, yeah, we, we don't own anything uh, and everything has been done before. Mm. So you just have to accept that you're creating and giving from your essence. So just being as genuine and authentic as you can and accepting 
accepting money for that authenticity, I think, is the exchange. And I think that that's all you need to focus on. And, of course, we still have to kind of remind ourselves of that because recently, again, I did a festival two years ago and my photo massaging was taken there and now is for for a festival that I won't mention but is now one of the main images to promote massaging. Wait a second, I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to be working for that agency Um, I never gave them rights to use my photo uh, and it's a floor massage. So I'm like, are you false advertising? Because are you going to be offering like floor massage? Yes, it's very interesting. So I I, I think I did comment maybe (laughs) about permission to use this photo because you know that it's it's me and I definitely haven't given you permission to use it. yeah, in the end, you just have to smile and just go, well, again, <laughs> okay. <laughs> How many times have you done, like, jobs where you got a salary or a paycheck or whatever? Have you ever done that? Yeah, so I've I've worked for a record company, a couple of record stores. Did it just put you off entirely? You were kind of, it's too, it's too regimented, too formulaic. Yeah, I'm... I'm not a massive fan of nine to five routine. I don't think it's healthy, but also I don't think self-employed 24-7 is healthy either because no no matter what boundaries you put in place, I guarantee if somebody emails you or Instagrams you, you might not respond, but you'll probably still read it at midnight. Mm. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I think... um, the struggle is real to find that work-life balance um, in both in both scenarios. Um, but I know from personal experience, when I was working for a company, I would dream about that job or like counting the cash at the end of the day or what I needed to do the next day. It would constantly be in my in my sleep, and it was mm. like this is not good. Mm. You know, um, and um, I don't think I've ever dreamt about massage in my sleep. So <laughs> I'm like, maybe maybe I want to something good here. <laughs> uh, I definitely dreamt about nightmare situations in shows um, or the host, you know, falling over or getting sick or not showing up but I mean the show always and we did have nightmares like that constantly Mm. in the entertainment industry it happens but no one knows because the show goes on but yeah I definitely did dream about tricky situations um or people that just weren't very nice to work with (laughs) Mm. Um, yeah yeah it's um an interesting one that one (laughs) It's obviously fairly close still, but I, I mean, it hasn't spoiled that time entirely, has it? I, I mean, you, you. It sounds like you still have fond memories of that career and the work that you did, and oh, so on. Absolutely, like you know, and just again, I think it brings it back to what I value most in life is having moments and experiences, and um, you know, they don't all have to be joy. Like some of them are, like. 
you know, like tragic moments that you look back on and you can laugh at them now because it was just like, oh, my God, as if that happened. It definitely happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like uh, I in in Sydney, well, in Australia, I was doing a show in, um, in Wollongong one night. Um, it finished maybe around the midnight by the time we packed up and, and um, uh, bumped out the show. It would be around 1. We had to drive back to Sydney. That would be about 2 a.m. Then we had a show the following night in Byron Bay. Mm. And so I drove and my two fellow uh, production team uh, were in the, in the car asleep the entire way and so I drove from 2am in the morning up the coast um, and I think it was like an 11 hour drive Uh, we got to the hotel in time for me to literally check into the hotel have a shower and then go bump in the next show Mm. no sleep Mm. just get on with it do the show and then and then go out and party afterwards Mm. And I mean, it's just like, oh my god, how how did we, how did I do that? Mm. But yeah, they're definitely fun memories of like you know, driving from Perth to Adelaide Fringe um, in a second-hand van with no air conditioning. Um, yeah, <laughs> an experience. Um, yeah, yeah. Let, uh, so I'm going to ask you this. Obviously, as I said to you at the beginning, we don't. You know, if you don't want to talk about anything, you don't have to um but maybe touch a little bit because you 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 know you mentioned as well that you came into the work via a faith route so has was that something that was always important to your work or is that something that has become important like do you now feel that this is like a vocation is this like something you were heading towards that you found or is this just this is work and this is a thing that you do that you believe in and, and and you practice and it's you know it helps you and you want to help other people with it because it it doesn't necessarily have to be um you know like the 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 bright burning path or whatever it's it can just be this is a thing so what's your approach with that yeah I think that um yeah the more I mean Deepak Chopra as as a teacher and a mentor um has had uh, a very heavy influence on uh, my personal life and my work life and and more and more I'm like I see these what we call like um, synchronicities like um, you know when you think about something and then it just Mm. happens Mm. and you're like oh like but then Mm. I'm like but not wow because of course it happens right like (laughs) it's it's like I'm manifesting it so why am I going to be surprised when it happens? Because it, it's meant to be, right? So, um, yeah, I think that um, this is where I'm meant to be and this is how I can serve people. And um, I didn't really think much about it in my 20s, possibly 30s as well. I know that it was there, but, like, discovering, like, um, your life purpose or your dharma or, you know, what are you meant to do or what do you want to do? Mm. Um, It just kind of happened to me. But, Mm. like, you know, looking back, you're like, yeah, of course, because 
I knew that that's where I was heading to. Mm. And um, so just trusting in that instinct that, you know, in here we know um, um, and the more reflection that we do, the more it will present itself. Yeah, it definitely is a big aspect of my work and my personal life of like constantly in meditation of, okay, so what is it that I want? What is my sole purpose? Mm. How is it that I can serve the world and other people? Um, so for me right now, this is, this is how I can serve and this is what my purpose is. And um, in the very near future, I think teaching people how to meditate is definitely like a big thing of like I, w- I want to do that because it's how I can serve people because I know what effect it's had on my own life. Mm-hmm. And, um, but in a year or two years or five years, who knows, who knows what that's going to be. It might be exactly the same thing mm-hmm. um, if it still brings me joy, which I know that it is is going to and it probably will be you know still in five years Mm -hmm. but I might find like a little third or fourth path as well that still is my purpose but Mm. it might be something different as well so is it something that's kind of grown over time and developed definitely looking back you're like well I was always there so definitely Mm -hmm. it feels like it's organic Mm um but I think there's there's light bulb moments or or epiphanies um, every now and then of like you know when I met Deepak for the first time mm. uh, it's like oh my gosh like was that before you started the business or was that like you started the business <laughs> and then became a student or yeah so I mean I've always followed Deepak Chopra mm. um, I think he is a very wise and beautiful man. Yeah, the, the connection was from, you know, I, I had been given this gift of learning meditation 10 years ago and um, sometimes you just, you don't realise like what that's doing as you, like as the years progress mm-hmm. or like or days progress, like it's it's working in here mm-hmm. and in here and, and wherever and um but then, like, if you just kind of glance back, you're like, oh, yeah, that kind of, like, kind of led me to this. And then, and, um, you know, I just, I knew that I wanted to be a meditation teacher for quite some time. Um, but it's like, oh, who do I want to learn off? And, um, you know, I've I been follow, following the Transcendental Meditation um, Foundation for quite some time. I'm a massive David Lynch fan, so... You know, that was always like, oh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to be a, a TM teacher. Um, but there's something really and, and Deepak Chopra actually. I'm not sure if you can quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure that he started the transcendental meditation movement with possibly one or two other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he left the foundation um, to go down more of a science and um, um, doctor path for a while um, and then came back to it and then started the Chopra Foundation. And I just, I love his teachings. So I was like, do you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to learn teacher meditation um, through Deepak Chopra. And, um, 
And then when I'd started the course, they advertised that they were doing a retreat. And I was like, of course I want to go on the retreat. <laughs> um, it's very weird. And I think that, you know, COVID gave us a sense of that, like learning mm. or watching online, you're like, it feels like it's great and mm. you learn, but you have this desire to actually meet that teacher in real life um, or or somebody that you've been watching on Zoom for for a while. Especially uh, with something like that, I think, because it's, yeah. I mean, okay, it's metaphysical on levels, but it, again, it's that trying to be in the real, you know, like yeah. because all humans have done religious things for forever and it's yeah. that kind of, yeah, but I want to meet this person. It's not just about the words or the processes. It's about the yeah. spiritual being, for want yeah. of a better term. Yeah. But it was more than Deepak himself. Like it was like online, you're learning from at least four teachers um, who who work within the foundation and they were all at this retreat. So I was like, mm. of course I want to go meet them. Mm. So you can't like it's yeah you can't like go well you've taught me all of this knowledge and I will never meet you in my life like it just feels weird so um so yes during that during the course and during the retreat there were like moments of like I know I've heard that before in my life but right now I'm just like bing oh my goodness yes that's like an epiphany or like oh that makes sense like you know I now I now understand that more and um so I mean you can call it whatever like if it's like a glimpse to spiritual enlightenment or um or a glimpse of self-discovery or or whatever um there's definitely been those moments more so in the last 10 years since I've been meditating than any other time. But further back from, from meditating, you're like, yeah, this was leading me here. So, yeah. Okay, I've got one more question. I want you to kind of think about it and just uh, think about what you do in the context of performance. Um, I like, are you performing? Is this, is this a role? Yeah, and you know where do you begin and where does the role begin or is it are you the role <laughs> <laughs> are you playing yourself finally playing myself at last this you should keep it this is a really good question um from my knowledge we are all playing a role mm. and um uh, yeah, th- this is this is deep. This is good. <laughs> so, I'll say in my previous life, mm. when I was performing, it was a completely different person. Mm. Um, you know, she had a different name, um, which you know some people might know me by. Uh, but it was almost opposite to who I am. Mm. Um. And, and I'm very proud of her, but she only happened on stage or networking. Mm. Um, and it was a, well, it's a, it's a form of art. Like, so I created her and that was my art of like, you know, maybe this little kind of 
um, part of me that I gave a bigger personality, like a shadow self or, or, um, or a, a small version of me that I um, created on stage that became larger than life. Like she had way more confidence than I have or uh, way more sass or, you know, I, I, I never enjoyed public speaking um, and I was thrown into radio interviews or, or hosting on stage mm. and I can't do this but that other person definitely can. So I think that, yeah, for sure, two separate people, definitely not me. And, you know, she might have, like, come into my real life, mm. um, but I probably would say, I mean, of course she's part of me, but she was only ever me when I used her name, mm. if that makes sense. Mm. Um uh, but now I think that we, no matter what anyone does, we are still playing a role. Like this mm. is movie of our life, right? Mm. So we choose um, what archetype that we want to be. Um, and it might be a warrior one day and a goddess the next or um, uh, an intellect one day um, or an adventurer. So I do... I do think that we are role-playing. Um, some people are just role-playing for what they think other people want of them. Mm. And now, hopefully, I'm role-playing the role that I want to be, um, mm. that is me. Um, but, yeah, I definitely think that um, it's, yeah, it's, it's who we choose to be as a, an actor. Thank you again to Sarah Jane for being my guest. Thanks again to all my guests and thanks to you, Leeds, for being my subject. Some notices for this week. We're going for it, listeners. The gauntlet is going down. I have the interviews and probably just about have the time and the financial resources for this challenge. As usual, my crisis is an energy and motivation one. So what am I going to do? I'm going to run to the hundred. I'm going to get a hundred episode I'm going to get a hundred episodes published before Western Studios' birthday on the fifth of October. On the way to this goal, I want to smash the three thousand downloads and two thousand unique downloads for working hours, as well as getting that first one hundred episodes published. So if you can go back and listen to an episode that you liked or an episode that you've not heard, that would be a massive help for me on the way to this goal. If you can share the show and get me a listener, a guest, or a financial supporter, or even all three, or any combination thereof, then all of those listeners are instant five gold star getting number one fans and will win my favour. If you can or don't want if you can't or don't want to do any of those, please consider just dropping me a follow on social or a like, a share, or even something really exciting on social media, like a message. Say it's good, say it's great, say I need to try harder, say you hate it and I should give up, whatever, it's all engagement, it's all encouragement. Just some other quick notices before I go. So Western Studios, my podcast production company that I started to support this podcast and is the other thing besides this podcast that I'm wasting the little money that I have on, has two great new podcasts out now. First off, there's the Leeds Business Podcast with Phil Fraser from Working Hours Episode 22. 
The Leeds Business Podcast is available as both a video and an audio show. Western Studios Leeds has been editing the show and Phil has put all his podcast guesting experiences to really good use with the hosting of his own show. He's had some amazing Leeds guests already and I might be biased, but I think it's a really good show and I think it can only get better. So go check out the Leeds Business Podcast wherever you get podcasts or watch the video versions at youtube.com forward slash at Leeds Business Podcast. Last and not even remotely least is a podcast that isn't for everyone, but one which I feel is an incredibly important and pioneering project. And I'm exceptionally proud and honoured to have been able to be a part of it. The Visible Project in Leeds works with survivors of child sexual abuse to improve health and well-being outcomes. The show is currently only available on YouTube and it's called Visible Voices. Visible Voices is an important and brave work and I feel that it's vital listening for anyone who works in healthcare or the voluntary sector in Leeds or anywhere else. It's not a grim or morose show and the show is, from my narrow perspective, a pioneering one starting a conversation that we as a society really need to have. You can find Visible Voices at youtube.com forward slash at Visible Voices podcast. Remember to like, share, follow and subscribe to Western Studios' own Working Hours. That's the podcast you're hearing right now. If you liked hearing Working Hours, you'll love being on it. Failing that, just come back and hear more of it. Remember, if you're a lawyer anywhere in the world, you can be my guest on Working Hours. Come and tell me about your day, your week, your whole career, your new startup, even your bankrupt business. What's that like? How's that to go through? Not good, I imagine. How are you getting through it? What are you going to do next? People with normal jobs and stereotypical jobs. People in non-line jobs. You're still seriously underrepresented on the show. Let people know that Leeds isn't just online roles and lecturers. Also, non-white male guests. There are none on working hours. This is not representative of Leeds at all by any measure. I have tried to get some representation on the show. Not hard enough, yes. And I've also fucked up a couple of potential guest bookings. Just know I'm not gatekeeping. I'm just rubbish at securing guests and inviting guests. So come on, lawyers, don't be afraid. There's nothing to fear except our ongoing social collapse. And that's ongoing. So who cares? Be on working hours. Ask yourself, what's the best that could happen? Okay, that's me. Work for peace. Plan with kindness. And make space for a little gratitude in your life. Cheers, ears. Take care out there and be kind to each other, leads. Working Hours is produced, recorded, edited and published by Simon Treen for Western Studios Leeds Limited. The music was The Bees from Chopin's Etudes, which is in the public domain and was taken from museopen.org. Follow Western Studios Leeds on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash western underscore studios underscore leads and on LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash western hyphen studios. Western Studios Leads will help you realise your podcast for only £25 for an hour of podcast work. Need podcast production, recording, editing or any podcast admin doing? Need it all doing? Do you want or need a podcast host or co-host for your podcast project? Then get in touch with Western Studios Leads Limited. Email makemypodcast at western-studios.com to get your podcast made. 
I am available to third sector organizations, small to medium sized businesses and individuals who want to make podcasts or create other digital audio content. Want to make some fundraising case studies? Want to show off your expertise in your field? Want some help creating your show and format or just some support learning to podcast and getting going? Whatever your podcast needs, get in touch with Western Studios Leads. Go to western-studios.com and use the contact page to drop me a message about either working hours or about your own podcast project.